This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. Montana Governor Greg Gianforti says he will end the statewide mask mandate on Friday. Now that he has signed legislation creating a liability shield for businesses, nonprofits, churches, and other organizations over exposure to COVID-19. Senate Bill 65 was carried by Great Falls Republican Senator Steve Fitzpatrick and was signed Wednesday. The bill was part of Gianforte's requirement to lift the statewide mask mandate that has been in place since July. Republican supporters say it prevents many frivolous lawsuits, as a legal action can only be brought in the case of gross negligence. Democrats who oppose the legislation said the state already offers those protections and the bill would allow bad actors to harm Montanans without consequences. Democrats say lawsuits filed against assisted living centers who have been sued following patient deaths as the virus spread will avoid accountability. So far, three assisted living facilities in Montana have seen lawsuits. The bill is effective immediately and ends in 2031. Meanwhile, Lewis and Clark public health officials will ease some local COVID-19 restrictions on Friday, but will keep the county's mask order in place. Effective Friday, gyms, restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, and casinos in Lewis and Clark County will be permitted to operate at 75% capacity, up from 50% between the hours of 4 a.m. and midnight. The number of people allowed at events without a plan approved by Lewis and Clark Public Health will increase from 25 to 50. Events with more than 250 people will still be prohibited. The county's COVID-19 rules and regulations, triggering criteria score, dropped below the predetermined threshold of 33. The department says that number is currently 24.4. As we said, although Governor Greg Gianforti announced Wednesday that he will lift the statewide mask order on Friday, Lewis and Clark County's mask order remains in place. Drenda Neiman, health officer at Lewis and Clark Public Health, says Montana law allows local jurisdictions to be more strict, but not less strict than the state when it comes to health directives. Helena schools will go to a a four-day-a-week in-class schedule with staggered start times later this month and in March. On a 6-2 vote Tuesday evening, the Board of Trustees approved Helena Public School Superintendent Tyler Reams' recommendation to bring students into the classroom Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday each week. Trustees Libby Goldis and Terry Beaver voted in opposition. The proposed start date for the new schedule is February 22nd. For kindergarten through second grade, March 1st for third through fifth grade, March 8th for sixth through eighth grade, and March 15th for high school students. Those dates, however, are subject to change. Reem made his recommendations after a special committee made its recommendations. They are similar. Reem said he wants to ensure that the global COVID-19 pandemic doesn't turn into a lifelong pandemic for the students who are struggling with the current school model. The district has been in phase one 
a hybrid model that sees students in class two days a week since the beginning of the school year in the fall. Talks of moving to phase two, a precautionary model where students spend most of their time in classes, was driven by complaints from parents over the course of the school year. According to Reem, Phase 1 is now considered to be overly restrictive based on new guidance from Harvard Global Health Institute. Reem says Phase 2 will keep students out of classroom on Wednesdays because of a shortage of staff. Reem emphasized that Wednesday would remain an academic day and a remote learning day for students. For health and safety reasons, universal masking, physical distancing, hygiene practices, and exposure protocols will all remain in place as more students attend class together. As we reported to you at the time in a recent survey, 58% of parents and families indicated the hybrid model, phase one, was not meeting the social and emotional needs of their students. Reem says, according to local health officials, Helena Public Schools were never a significant source of transmission by any metric. Public comment on the proposal of returning to four days a week varied widely. Many parents praised the recommendation to have students in class four days a week, even though they wanted five days a week, and they were worried about students falling behind or missing out on the high school experience due to the hybrid model. Meanwhile, teachers, paraeducators, and many students voiced their opposition to moving to phase two. Many teachers said they simply don't feel safe phasing up, and the district's recommendation for health and safety guidelines didn't do much to alleviate that fear. Capital High School teacher Adam Clinch felt the data from the Harvard Global Health Association had been misinterpreted And he said the district had been successful so far in preventing the spread of the virus because of the phase one restrictions in the hybrid model. Reem said the only way the district would consider returning to phase one would be if conditions dictated that it was the only way schools could remain open. Reem said that despite the move to phase two, school would not be returning to normal. He said that as long as there is a virus and a pandemic, there will be no normal for schools. Reem said he understands parents want to know when schools will be normal again and answered with a question, at what point will everyone be vaccinated? The Lewis and Clark Public Health Officer has sent legislative leaders a letter stating that her office is receiving complaints from local businesses about lawmakers not following local and state health rules amid the pandemic. Quote, Several businesses call frustrated and concerned regarding actions of some legislators. That's according to Drenda Neiman, the health officer. Reports include entering businesses without a face covering and disregard for business staff polite requests to don a mask while in the business per state directive and local rule. The letter did not cite specific lawmakers or name the businesses. Neiman called the complaints from multiple businesses about misbehaving politicians disheartening.
Neiman said, quote, it's no different than any other elected official. We look to them as role models. This hurts our local efforts to stand by those precautions that we know work. The legislature has sole power over the rules that dictate how things work within legislative spaces. While lawmakers also have legislative immunity while conducting legislative business, there's not agreement over whether that extends to activities outside the Capitol. Montana Senator Steve Daines will block President Joe Biden's nominee for Secretary of the Interior, Deb Haaland of New Mexico. Daines called her views radical twice in a one-paragraph statement. Dane said among his concerns at her position on the Keystone XL pipeline and the new Green Deal. If confirmed, Haaland would be the first American Indian to hold that position. Dane's move will not prevent her confirmation, but will delay it. Holds on bills are often used to pressure nominees for concessions or changes in position by the senator placing the hold. Four bills to restrict abortions in Montana have passed the Senate Judiciary Committee on 7-4 party-line votes. One bill would ban abortions in most cases after 20 weeks of gestation. A second would ask voters to approve a requirement for health care providers to care for infants born alive during abortion procedures. The third bill would require health care providers to give pregnant women the opportunity to view an ultrasound before performing an abortion. And the fourth would require the abortion pill be administered in person rather than through telehealth. The bills passed with seven committee Republicans in favor, four Democrats opposed. The measures have already passed the House. They now head to a hearing by the full Senate. A bill that would cut the state's business income tax, again, the Business Investment Grows Jobs Act, has come before a House committee. House Bill 303 is being carried by Representative Joshua Casimer of Fort Benton. It would raise the exemption for the state's business equipment tax from $100,000 to $200,000. Data from the Department of Revenue shows just over 8,000 businesses pay the tax now. The change would mean 4,000 fewer businesses would pay the tax, and they would save just about $4 million. A fiscal note attached to the bill shows lost revenue from raising the exemption would equal $1.37 million for local schools, $1.26 million for counties, $342,000 for tax increment financing districts, $272,000 for cities, and $41,000 for the state university system. The state's general fund would also take a $658,000 hit. That loss of tax revenue would be replaced with more money from the state's general fund. Brendan Beatty, the recently appointed director of the State Department of Revenue, spoke in favor of the bill, both as head of the state agency and the owner of a ranch outside Winnet. Quote, there's a lot of positives with this bill and obviously very few negatives. He continued, the effect of this bill, this will actually remove approximately 4,000 taxpayers from the personal property tax rolls. 
And if you're one of the 4,000 taxpayers, you won't even have to file a form with the Montana Department of Revenue. He estimated 1,500 of the businesses would be agriculture, 300 natural resource industries, 200 construction and trade, 200 in restaurants, hotels, and more than 500 leasing and rental companies. The three opponents to the bill said the business equipment tax had already been reduced significantly over the past 20 years. Rose Bender with the Montana Budget and Policy Center said past changes have resulted in the number of businesses that pay the tax dropping from 36,000 in the year 2000 to 8,000 now, and then it would be 4,000 if the bill is passed. Bender said the business equipment tax has decreased as the share of total property taxes from 15% to 5%. She said the share of property taxes paid by residential homeowners has increased from 38% to 50%. She said the value of business equipment in Montana has increased 133% over the same time period. Another major coal mine, a Powder River coal mine, says it will shut down, making it the second mine in the Powder River Basin to announce this year it's closing. The Casper Star Tribune reports that St. Louis-based Arts Resources, the owner of the Coal Creek Mine in Wyoming, made the announcement Tuesday as the company transitions away from thermal coal generation towards coking coal. That's the type of coal used to make steel and other products. Arts Resources says it plans to wind down operations on the mine near Gillette and begin cleaning up the site over the next two years. The company said it lost over $78 million in the final quarter of last year. The Coal Creek mine produced about 2 million metric tons. That's down 73% from 2018. The mines in the Powder River Basin produce about 40% of the nation's coal. But production has declined in part because of competition from natural gas and renewable energy. Arts Resources said in October it expected to slash thermal coal production over the next two to three years at its Coal Creek and Black Thunder coal mines. The Black Thunder mine is the second largest mine in the U.S., producing 10% of the nation's coal. Montana's Decker coal mine, also in the Powder River Basin, closed last month. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. The podcast has listeners in 32 states and provinces in 20 countries on six continents. Made in Montana news is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio, KEMRDB in Jefferson County, Montana Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, and ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation. That's Made in Montana news. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.